Right, we are back. The third episode of the Boxing Insight Radio Show is live to you. I'm your host, Cameron Gillen. I'll introduce my co-host, as usual. We've got Glenn and Ben. Welcome to the show, lads, again. Uh, we've got a couple of debutants. We've got Mick, Joe and Ethan. So, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. Thanks. Uh, it's a great show to get stuck into on your first go as on the show as we have a couple of guests and interviews lined up. We have British middleweight champion, Nick Blackwell, of course, last year we went on a run of three fights, three wins, including defeating John Ryder on the May 30th pay-per-view undercard, stopping John Ryder in the seventh round. And of course, we've taken your questions sent in to us from social media and they will be asked and included. So I'll open it up to the panel. Uh, Nick Blackwell's really built his career in the last couple of years, guys, for me. He suffered a couple of losses to Martin Murray, uh, Billy Joe Saunton and uh, Bursack. But let's be fair. The last year he's won a British title. He's real rebuilt and learnt from them fights, and he's on the verge of a well-deserved big money fight, so to speak. And he's ready to step up in 2016. So, whilst I'll actually get him in the call, if you guys just want to give me your thoughts on Nick Blackwell, what impresses you about him in and maybe even out the ring? So, if you just want to describe Nick Blackwell as a fighter in your perspective, uh, I think it's brilliant that he's, that he's come into into the professional game with no amateur background he's come through um the unlicensed ranks he's done all his learning in the ring which is it's hard enough game without doing all that and i think he's 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 come on a bomb and i think with this with the new trainer gary lockett i think he's going from strength to strength glenn i would have to go on ben glenn or ben go ahead go on ben go uh, my thoughts on Nick Blackwell. I think he is very, very underrated. A lot of promoters in the past have thought he was a soft touch, and he has come back three times and he's rebuilt himself in a way to it. In the way that now he's now the domestic middleweight king, and yep. and I can only see him going onwards and upwards now with Mick Hennessy behind him as his promoter and the one of the best up-and-coming coaches in this country, Gary Lockett. Right, any other guys got anything to say about Nick Blackwell? Also get him in the call. No, I was just going to say, I think Mike made a great point about him coming through the uh, unlicensed ranks rather than the than the amateurs and um, to see how, at what age he actually started to have an interest in boxing. And um, I think when you look as well, it's a great point. He's coming through these with a couple of defeats as well. Yeah, hello. Good evening, Nick. This is Cameron from the Boxing Insight. How are you doing? How are you doing, buddy? Right? Yeah, thank you. Happy to have you. Thank you for taking the time to give this interview with the Boxing Insight. Coming off an exciting 2015 for yourself, and uh, we truly appreciate it. That's all right, mate. That's all right. Uh, before I open it up to my co-hosts and ask and fire away some questions for you, uh, how are you feeling going into the new season of boxing? Did you enjoy the Christmas and New Year break? When can we expect to see you out in the ring for the first time in 2016? Do you and your team have a date in mind for your return? Yeah, March, the March the 5th, hopefully, March the 19th. But um, yeah, I enjoy Christmas, but I do train every day still. Um, I have Christmas day off, but I train every day. I'm always training, always staying fit, um, staying healthy. Um, and yeah, you know, I'm was, I was back at training um, Monday over in Cardiff and feeling really, really good already. So yeah, just hopefully the fight does come off in March and. Um, performance. Mick, I'll bring you in first, mate, if you want to fire away some questions. Yeah, Nick. Um, has it been difficult to um, to adjust trainers 
the previous trainer to Gary Lockett because in the rider fight it seemed to take you a little while to get to get going but once you got going you seemed a bit sluggish at the beginning once you got going it was it was fireworks and you knocked him out and again with Damon Damon Jones is that right yeah yeah Damon Jones yeah again yeah. It, you started slowly and you seemed sluggish but once you got going that was it good night and again with with Jack Arnfield yeah you know you nailed it on the head um it doesn't you know, it doesn't you know it's not going to click overnight you know when you move to a new train I've been I've had a certain style drummed into me for the last eight years yep. um and working with Gary is a totally different just working on the basics you know I was never working on the basics I wasn't working on my foot movement working on my jab my jabs were my best my best my best things I've got and I just don't use it um so yep. I mean, the more you're seeing me like um I'll get better at each fight I'll see different things come through like if you can see the things I'm doing in sparring um you'd be yeah it's a, a massive difference to what I'm actually doing in the ring you know so it's going to take time um but it could take six months it could take you know it could take a year just that transition it, it, it does take time but um, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it you know so that's the main thing well, I saw in the rider fight, once, you know, at the beginning, it, you weren't getting your jabs away. And then once you got into your rhythm, they, they, were, yeah. they were firing away. And it was, it was you know, it seemed like you, it takes a little bit of time to get into this rhythm at the moment. But once you're there, that's it. There's no stopping you. Yeah, so I come on strong always. Um, even in training at the end, I'm always the one who, who str- I get stronger uh, forever goes on. But in the drum rider fight... Um, that wasn't that was the old me still, you know. I didn't have enough time with Gary, but it was stuff that Gary was telling you in the corner. Well, yeah. how and that's, that's how I beat John White, throwing them right hands, waiting for him counter shots. Um, but if I kept doing what I done the first two or three rounds, John White would have beaten me. He was that box to me. He was doing better than me. But um, but Gary was giving me that advice in the corner. I was taking it, and he wasn't he wasn't um, panicking me. You know, he was I was I was chilled out, and he was um, just drumming stuff into me, just simple stuff. And I was, um, I was taking it all in, and you know, in the end, I got the job done and done exactly what he wanted to do. It wasn't a great performance, you know, but I was only with Gary for about eight weeks for that fight, so you know, not gonna, not gonna change in eight weeks. Well, I can, I can see Nick. Once you, once you, once you get into that rhythm and you start, and you, you know, you start taking these new things on board, I think you're going to be pretty unstoppable, mate. I appreciate that, mate. Thank you very much. Well, I um, could. I can I can see I can see because I've watched all your fights I can see you know that the changes in it and you know you are incredibly strong you are incredibly fit you can see that but I but I, like I say once you once you take all this new stuff on board I think you know you're going to go a long long way. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, it's not um, I never really believe in myself, but I have got I have got the boxing ability there. It's there, you know, it is there, but I just have never used it. I've never shown it to anyone and. Um... It, I just haven't. I just haven't used. It. I've just relied on my strength, my toughness, my fitness. Getting, you know, just pushing people to the end, trying to get them out there. You know, like with Billy Joe Saunders, you know, I outboxed me for a six, seven rounds. So then when I come on to the end, I kept pushing him, kept pushing him, start getting to him. If I had someone like Garrett just in my corner on that night, it would have been a, it would have been a different fight. But like I said, I'm learning loads of different stuff. Never had an amateur background. Learn all the basics still. Um, when I bring that into into my game, you know, you're also a different fighter than me. Do you do you regret that you didn't have the amateur background, or are you you happy with the way your like the, the way your career's gone at the moment? No, I'm not. I'm, I wouldn't change it because you know, I'm doing a lot better than what I ever thought I would do when I got boxing and fitness. But um, I'm glad I went the unlicensed route just because I got used to that pro style straight away, fighting fully grown men, fighting people who like two and a half stone heavy, fighting more than one people on the same night. You know that just made me the person that I am now. 
Um, I just yeah. went amateur, done well in amateurs, and went pro and never done any good at it. So, no, I wouldn't change it. That's, that's, uh, that sounds great. Can I ask you another question? I know that you um, you sparred Carl Froch, and Carl Froch had a lot of good things to say about you. Um, he, yeah. I believe he said that you would, uh, you, you know, he's like me, he thinks you'll go all the way to the top. Was that is that true, or is it not just another sparring story? No, no, so we done a sixteen round spar, and it, it was like a, it was like a rocky, a rise like the rocky move. Right? <laughs> yeah, we were just so tired, we were throwing makers at each other. We literally couldn't um, pick our, our arms up, and uh, when the bell went, he put his arm around on the ropes. He went, no, "You're going to go away. You're going to be a world champion." And I can always remember that him, him saying that to me. Obviously, it meant a lot coming from a world champion. Um, just being in there sparring with um, Carl Foch. Sixteen you know, rounds. Jesus. Yeah, 16 rounds, yeah, 16 rounds, we've done. <laughs> you should have filmed yeah. that, Nick. You'd have made a fortune on that on, on social media. <laughs> I know, mate, I know, I know, but <laughs> it, was just, it was just amazing just being in there with him, you know, and I was I was started off doing like 10 rounds, and then we've done 12, and then we've done, we done a 14-round spar. Then, um, I think it was the Kessler fight, the second Kessler fight, I think it was, um, they wanted, I think they wanted 14 rounds out of me, but we thought, you know, we'll just do another one, and then we just done another one, so we ended up doing 16 <laughs> rounds in the end. <laughs> Uh, yeah. so, Nick, can I ask you? Uh, can I ask you a question? Yeah, of course, mate. Yeah, it's uh, it's Glenn here. For, again, I know you're going to get this a lot from the lads, but thanks for your time. We really do appreciate boxers taking their own well, time. Mate, I appreciate you ringing me. Um, so yeah, I heard you say before that you uh, that you just got into boxing for fitness. Um, yeah. So at what point did it click and you thought, oh, you know what, I'm actually pretty good at this? Um, I just. Do you know what? Me, I'm, I get real bored at stuff really easy, no matter what it is, um, sports. Um, if anything, I get bored really quickly. The only thing I never got bored of was boxing. When I started boxing, I just, I wasn't very good at it. And I'm one of them people, I, I want to, I'm usually all right at what, so if I do something, I'm usually all right at it. And boxing, I wasn't, so I wanted to get good at it. Um, and I can remember the bloke who was in the gym said, right, um, if people want to fight um, in a couple of months' time, let me know. And we're, um, we'll put your name forward. And I went up and I said, I wanted to fight. And he sort of looked at me and was like, right, you need to be in there at least three times a week, you know. Um, yeah. And it worked out quite well because I lived, in, I lived in Bath at the time. My dad used to drop off really early in the morning. So I go training before school really early in the morning. I have the keys to the gym. And then I come out um, after school. And there was three classes on from five, six, and seven. I still three classes as well every single day. So, you know, I was, tra- I was training stupid. I was training like three or four times a day when I was at school. Um and then the first fight, I knocked the kid out the first round. He was a bit, he was a bit heavier than me. And then there was another fight, and they pulled out on the same night. So I um, and he was two and a half stone heavier than this kid. He was a big, he was a big lump. And then they asked me if I wanted to fight him. Um, and me being a yes man, I was like, yeah, of course. I went in, um, fought this kiddie. He beat the crap out of me for the first round. I wanted to get out. To be honest, he's so big and heavy. But um, I climbed the second round, let my shots go. Well, I was so fit, I, I stopped him. So, and then people were coming up to me and saying, you know, you could do something yourself. Um, I had a few amateur coaches come up to me and say, you know, you could do something in the amateur game. But in my head, I thought I was doing the right thing. And I stuck at, stuck at it. And that's basically where I started. Brilliant. Nick, can I ask you before I bring Joe and Ethan in, what are you looking at in 2016? Is winning the British title outright the ultimate desire for you right now? Is a defence against the calibre opponent of like a Christian Bank Jr., the main target? This is really a two-part question. First off, what are you looking for in your next fight? And the second part is, what would you like to do over the entire year? Um, well, obviously, yeah, like I said, I want this British title outright. And in that fight, I want to show my boxing skills a bit more. I wanted to do that my last fight, but um, 
had an injury in my training camp, I thought it'd be all right. And it's just me being the S man again. I still took the fight. I should have pulled out already. But it was an entertaining fight to watch. <laughs> but I did box very well. So I want to bring my boxing skills into this next fight. It looked good beating the kiddie, whoever I have to fight. Um, I w- he was supposed to be crushy ranked. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen now. Mm-hmm. I've heard a few rumours that he might be fighting Billy Joe Saunders in July. Um, which is fair enough. You know, I'd rather fight for world title and for a lot more money. So you can't, you can't mock him for that. Um, so I don't know what opponent, but at the end of the year, I want to, I want to get, I want to get highly ranked in the world rankings as well. I want to get my rankings up a little bit and just stay busy and just keep learning and enjoying it. Ethan or Joe, do you want to fire away? Uh, yeah, I'll go. Hey, Nick. Yep. Uh, did you have much say in the purse bids when they were going on for the Eubank fight as a fighter? Yeah, no, Nick um, Hennessy wanted me, he sat down and said, do you want this fight? I was like, of course I want this fight, I've always wanted this fight, I've wanted this fight for ages. Um, and I went, right, we're going to put a big bid in for this. And I was like, all right, wicked. I didn't realise how big the bid he was going to put in. He did tell me he was going to be big, then how big it was going to be. Um, I thought Eddie Arm was going to put a big bid in, but he, yeah, he annihilated all of them with the first bid. Um, I've seen a thing with Eddie and saying, you know, that like, um, Nick Hennessy probably wouldn't give Nick only like a certain amount, blah, blah, blah. But, I wasn't the case. I was I was going to get paid quite well for that fight, um, and it was it had been it had been a very good fight. You know, two good fighters against each other, um, like and yeah, both improving. You know, Eubank's a big name. He's he's a good boxer. He's a good fighter. Brings a lot to the table. A lot of people love him or hate him. You know, so it had been a good fight. A fight that I would definitely 100% want to have won. You know, a lot of people say you know um, Eubank's a class above, but I know me being 110%, I beat Eubank every day of the week. But, you know, that's that. I love being the underdog. I love having that underdog mentality. I've always had it. Um, I don't really like going into a fight when I'm favourite, you know. So, as far as really looking forward to and was really up for. But, like I said, I don't think it's happening now. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, me and McKenzie are real close. Real nice bloke. I couldn't ask for better promoters, to be fair. And he always goes through with me what he's going to do. Um, so, yeah, no, I had a bit of say in that. Impressive, so... Just another question. What was it like winning the British title? Like, especially the way you did coming back from being down on the scorecard with a knockout like that. You know, I, I ain't cried since I was a little kid. So that's how much it makes. I started crying <laughs> when I won it. Um, and I worked so hard for that. And I just couldn't let that opportunity slip again. I've let it, mm-hmm. you know, I've let it slip twice. So I've that opportunity slip from my twice before. So yeah. I couldn't afford to, you know. But um, yeah, it was. It was probably the best feeling I've ever had. Yes, yeah, ever in bo- in boxing. You know, it was the best thing I've ever done. Real good feeling when that British title. Kind of, kind of adding to the, what you just said, Nick. Um, obviously, when you beat Ryder, he was on a rival promoter show uh, on Matchroom Show. You were on on the undercard of a pay per view. Were those factors? Did that make the win a bit sweeter? Winning on a pay per view undercard on a Matchroom Show. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know what? It made me enjoy it a little bit more as well because I knew I was the underdog. I was coming out. Everyone thought John Murray was going to win, and that's what I like to be. I like to be. I like to be like. I don't like when people think I'm going to go in and win a fight either. I don't like that. Um, it, it it was good walking out in front of 18,000 people, looking up, and it's just soaking the atmosphere. It was amazing, and obviously beating John Murray in front of his own promoter, in front of his, you know, most of his fans. It was most people there were his fans. You know, it was. Um, yeah, it was, it was sweet. It was satisfying to be fair. And I like Johnny. He's a good fighter and he's, he's a nice lad. So, it come again. But that was my time that night. Just to confirm, was that Joe or Ethan that answered, asked that last question? That was me, Joe. Ethan, do you want to bring yourself in, mate? Yep. Um, 
Nick, I was just wondering, you mentioned that you split from your previous trainer um, and now you're with Gary Lockett. I was yeah. I was wondering, whilst you were with your previous trainer, did it sort of get to a point where you you felt there was nothing more you could learn under him? Did you, or did you begin to sort of question the way the things he was teaching you, or was it just sort of like was it just sort of logistics? You just sort of moved on. No, do you know what? I felt like I was going backwards, to be honest. Um, and I felt like I didn't make the change, and I never would, and I would never get any better. Um, and like you said, was I questioning the stuff that he was saying to me? Yes, I was. I I would say to him, if he told me to do something, I'd like question him about it. I, and you shouldn't be like that. I would train everything a trainer should say to you. You should take it in and believe in it 100%. Yeah. Now with Gary Lockett, I went out and done a lot of sparring with, with Liam Williams and Alex Hughes um, back in the day. And he was picking out basic things like my jab, my footwork. And I walked, I drove away from that gym feeling like I've never laced up a pair of gloves before. And, I, and that was when I knew I had to make a move. I had to, um, I texted Gary, asked him if he would take me on. Um, and you know, and, and you know, and he said yes, you know. So it was, it was amazing, and I will never look back. You know, it's the best thing I've ever done. Yeah, that is a fair point because if you don't, if you don't fully trust a man in your corner in boxing, there's not many other people you can trust. You know. Um, no, exactly. And they say it is a learning sport. It's just you and the other fighter. And now when you're, when you're, he, my trainer, fair play to him for getting me to the point where he did because he never had no. Um, previous experience anyway you know we both in it like started together yeah. you know so he done all right to get me where I was but I got to where I was doing everything wrong you know so imagine where I could have been if I was doing everything right <laughs> so now I'm starting with everything right with Gary Lockett um, and and you will see me progress you know I know I know I know that because I've been training over Christmas and I feel better already than my last I feel a lot better I feel a different fight already so give me a year and you'll see a totally different fighter in myself <laughs> Yeah, does is Gary working with Mick towards a plan for like what governing body you'll be going in, or is it more just you and Mick? I know, you know, we all work as a team. You know, we all work as a team. Um, Mick can be quite hard to get older sometimes. <laughs> He's a busy man, yeah. but um, when we do get older of him, you know, we um, we sit down, we have a plan. Um, we're mainly focused on when the sports top right, and then we we'll go from there. Obviously, Gary's got a lot of other lads in the gym um, with. Massive, massive futures as well. You know, like Celine Williams, um, Alex Susan, you know, Enzo, and, and people. I, you know, he's he's got to concentrate on all those as well. But you know, we sit down and we um we make a plan. But mainly at the minute, we're focusing on the British title outright. One more defence, you know, and it'd be a dream come true for me to um you know turn that three times one outright. You know, just scoring some grand goods, you know. Yeah. Ben, save the best till last. Floor is yours, my yeah. friend. If you want to ask some questions, go ahead. Uh, I will do, and and hello, Nick, and it's an absolute pleasure, and it's an absolute pleasure to speak to you, and that is not just because we share the same surname. <laughs> uh, I was, uh, uh, I was just wondering. Uh, I know, I know that you fought overseas twice, once in Monaco and once in the Ukraine when he fought Mac, uh, Max Bursak. Uh, That's I, it. Yeah. I want to, I wanted to know what is the difference like fighting abroad compared to the UK because I know a lot of UK fighters are very reluctant to fight abroad, mainly due to money. So, like, could you talk about your overseas mm. experience, especially in those two fights? To be honest, I went to Ukraine. It was really hostile, but I loved it. <laughs> I like I said, I like being the underdog, and I loved going over there. Nobody thought I had a chance. Um, I went mm. there, knowing 100% I'd beat um, this Max Brozak. I did, I, and I do, I think I did beat him. 
Um, but obviously, I know I cannot come out to get a draw out, out over there. Um, yeah, but yeah, it, it, is, it is different, obviously. You fight on their home show, you're in their country, you know, you've got everything against you. Um, so you know you need to put a big, big performance on. Um, yeah. But the, the Kamitsky fight, it was a bit of a strange on that one in Monaco because it was all nice in Monaco. And then when it, I come out, I was the first fight on it. was quite new to that because I was fighting on little hall shows, usually um, headlining it. And being first on, uh, nobody was really in the crowd. Um, and I got in the ring and I was supposed to do eight rounds and then they were trying to change it to six rounds. And it was just a bit of a... Bit of a muddle. We were, I was stuck in, yeah, I was stuck in the ring for like ten minutes, staring at Kamitsky, waiting for him to sort out. Referee looked at me and goes, "Nick, do you want to fight for six rounds? Because they're not going to do it um, for eight rounds." I was the fight's off, and I was like, "Do you know what? Let's go. Come on." So I had a fight with Kamitsky six rounds. Probably not the best idea to fight Kamitsky over six rounds. You know, you need you need to get him for at least eight or ten rounds. Um, yeah. And he, and he was a very very strong boy. Kamitsky was, you know, for three rounds, commemorating the knockout. I thought, "Fuck well, you know, you know, he's a tough, strong boy." <laughs> So I just put my yeah. guard up nice and I walked in bound and um, he blew out and then one more round and I would stop Kaminsky, you know, and that would put a massive statement out. So getting a draw with him, um, well, I did, you know, and I did beat him, I'm not being biased because it was me, but I did beat him, I beat him by a point. Um, but um, mm. getting a draw with him, people didn't really, oh, no, but I got a draw first, um, first fight of Hennessy, you know, he's, he's not that great. But then when other matches got knocked out, people then start talking about it, you know, so it's, it's a funny game, but yeah, it's different fighting abroad, but I like it. Like I said, I don't like being an underdog. Oh, that, oh, that's good to hear. And I like, and I totally uh, agree. The first that fight, you've got to basically knock out the home fighter when you're abroad. Yeah. And the commits yeah, get, and, like, and then like, yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, sorry. And, you know, we, we asked Kamitsky, we asked Kamitsky for the rematch, and because um, I, didn't, I didn't box fail that night, and um they didn't want to fight. He, he he thought it was going to be an easy fight, and then he said at the end, he goes, "You wanted more money because he, he thought the fight was going to be easy." Um, yeah. And he just they wouldn't take the rematch, you know. And still to this day, they won't take the rematch. And even Max Borzak, yeah. you know. So Max Borzak said to me at the end of the fight as well. He spoke a bit of English, and he said, "Don't stop, keep going. You will be world champion," you know, for Max yeah. Borzak. So that was nice as well. So it just gives me that little bit of motivation, you know. You get all these people on Twitter saying you're not going to do this, you're not going to do that, but. That just puts a bit more fuel in your fire, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And my and my second question is 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 have you noticed a improvement in your profile in general since winning the uh, the British title? And and do you think that McKenna, especially with the Channel Five contract, which has got for British boxing on TV, uh, has he made a huge difference to your profile? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Because I never ever got recognised. Always, always the one like the gatekeeper to a British level. Um, always have been. And so I've never fought on TV really because I'm quite a small time promoter. Nick Hennessy approached me, and I noticed on the Sky Sports Show when I beat Ryder, I, I got quite a lot of attention for that. But mm. when I defended against Damon Jones, I got twice as much attention fighting on terrestrial TV. So that was a difference. You get a lot more, a lot more people watch the fight yeah. on terrestrial TV just because it is free. Um, but yeah, I have. Um, I have seen a massive difference in it. Um, still, people definitely underrate me. Um, people were saying it, blah, was this, that, he's not that great, blah, blah. But, you know, I, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. I, like, I sort of like being that sort of people looking past me already, you know, saying I'm British level. Like, I know deep down I will I will go on and fight for world honours. You know, I've got to keep working hard and just keep doing what I'm doing. I, I've got to, I've got to agree with everything you said. Like, 
yeah like from like a lot of people i know in boxing they still think you was just like basically just a british gatekeeper which is absolutely in which is absolutely incorrect but like as you said you do like being the underdog and you do like proving people wrong you've done it time and time and time again for like christ's yeah. sakes you thought you fought martin murray in the night fight you've got to have some bottle to take fights of that magnitude at such a pivotal early stage of your career so like but do you know I what think Back, well, that was my ninth well, that, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but that was my ninth fight like I, I wasn't beaten I felt invincible um I'm gonna go back to how I met you, you know he was winning all these fights for a knockout I'm not fighting anyone great but he thought he was invincible then when you fight someone who's half decent um he's got a little bit about him then it brings you down a few pegs you know then it brings you back on on that level then you realize you've got to work hard you can't be slacking in the gym um, and that's what I exactly asked on Martin Murray. I could have went one, one way or the other. I could have got, I could have stopped. Didn't think I was as good as what I was, or I could have worked harder. And I was one of them to work harder. Um, and I, the same happens with Adam Etches. But I just don't think it helps bringing fighters on, fighting bums, um, but getting a real good padded record, and then fighting someone half decent because it's just gonna make, it's just gonna, you know, it mentally break people. You know, get in there yeah. on your first fight and have someone who's had a 50 record. Get in there, you know, and learn from it. Yeah. That's what, that's yeah. how I see it. You know. It's a little bit yeah. too business side boxing now. It's not much of a sport. It's more of a business, you know. Yeah, and it's, it's yeah. shame for the paying people. You you look at a Sky Sports show now. You if if you ain't got to pay for any, it's on the weekend it'd be ninety percent chance that the person's gonna win. It's never a fifty fifty fight unless it's gonna be a pay per view fight. You know, it shouldn't mm-hmm. be like that. Trash for TV, you know. Make energy. They are fifty fifty fights, and they are entertaining fights. I never got yeah, paid for are. them, so. Yeah, bitches. Which it, which is a credit to Mick, I think is what I think is the best smoke in Britain, and that is just not me trying to blow smoke up Mick's and your backside. I think he does a <laughs> smashing job, an absolute smashing job, and and I think and I and I think I'm out of questions. So Cam, if you want to pick up or answer any more, yeah, just a couple. Finish off, Nick. I want to ask. Is defending a British title in your hometown, Troy Bridge, on the agenda? Is that something you would like to do? Have you discussed it with your management team before? How possible is it for you to defend that title in Troy, Troy Bridge? Because it is quite close home to me, so it wouldn't, wouldn't be a problem to get to. Is that a possibility in the future? Well, I don't think it would happen. Thought it's just because there's not a venue big enough to hold a yeah. certain amount of people that you need you know, to put it on a on terrestrial TV. You need to hold at least 5,000 and... Um, well, 3,000 years old, and then just nowhere in Cherry Bridge you've got a capacity to hold 3,000 people. Um, you know, Bristol held a few, um, but I think it depends It depends who you're fighting. You know, the bigger the name you're fighting, the, the, the more people are going to come and watch it, the bigger the venue. Um, so it just depends really who I'm fighting. Um, you know, Eubank's still still on the agenda, but there's another lad um, could be could be fighting this other lad. I can't mention any names, but... That's another big fight, um, and that could be quite low quality as well. So I wouldn't say it'd be Cherry Bridge, but it, it could be, um, you know, sort of Wiltshire area. So it could be a big fight. Could it be Bristol again? Is that a possibility for your next fight? It could be, could be, could be. Um, obviously, if it, if it was Eubank, it'd be obviously be London. But if it's the other, yeah. other lad, it could be Bristol. Could be. Yeah, I just haven't, I haven't spoken to Mick about. Um, then he's had a little rumour it could be Blue Water again, you know, but it's a bit it's a bit long, you know, Blue Water, you know, it's not really close to me and for my fans, you know, it's been quite hard for them. But um yeah, we'll see. We'll just see if I'm gonna hear something this week, so final uh, word, Nick, uh, we've got a few 
uh, fighters. I mean, I've known a few fighters as well. What, are the, what would, advice would you give to any up-and-coming amateurs? Because we've got Ethan here, who's a national champ. We've got Joe, who's boxing as well. What would your advice be to them? And any advice to any young fighters coming from the amateur game right now? Don't listen to anyone. Just listen to yourselves. Work hard. Make the sacrifices. If you want something that badly, you will get it. You know, no matter how, how many um, like hurdles you get, you will get there. And it's just, and I, I, I sort of prove that. You know, I've gone from nothing and won the British title. Everyone thinking I wasn't going to win it. Lost three fights previous. You know, it's just, and uh, and obviously these lads, you know, they've got a good amateur pedigree. You know, so they've got a, a head start, head start than me. So. Um, yeah, just work hard. Just work hard. And if you want something that bad, you'll get it. It's simple, really. You know, if your mate's ringing you up, then I'll make you come out for a beer. Or you got, or, and you got gym the next day. You don't. You simply just don't go out. You know, it's easy. Just live the life. Brilliant. All right, Nick. Well, um, appreciate you giving us some of your time tonight. Look forward to seeing your fight again soon, and uh, look forward to seeing what's up for you in uh, 2016. So uh, take care. Yeah, nice one, mate. Cheers, lad. I appreciate it. Yeah, no mate. problem. All the best. Thanks Cheers, very nice much. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Nick. Cheers, Right, we are still on the line. Brilliant to have Nick Blackwell on the show there. What do you guys think of it? He answered well, gave some good information back and good feedback to the questions. So, uh, be good to see what Nick Blackwell does in 2016. Hopefully, he has that big fight. He can defend that British title and win it outright. So, it potentially could be a big year for Nick in 2016. He's definitely got the talent. You know, he definitely has got the talent, especially if Gary Lockett is bringing him ahead like he says. I think he's he's got the talent to go a long, long way because he's got the heart and the guts as well. So uh, I think he's going to go a long, long way, that boy. Yeah, I mean, like you say, he's got the heart, he's got the courage, he'll fight anybody. So uh, hopefully that Eubank fight comes off. I found it quite interesting that he, he said he heard a rumour that Eubank might be fighting Billy Joe Saunders in a rematch in July. Potentially that might happen because um, it honestly would not surprise me if that fight come off because it is a big money fight for Saunders. And to be fair, I was discussing the other day that uh, I reckon Saunders could wait for Golovkin Canelo to fight and then get more money in a unification after that. So maybe a Eubank fight's happening, but um, I'd love to see you, uh, Blackwell Eubank to be fair. I think that's a, I think it's a fantastic I it's think a fan it's friendly fight, isn't it? It's fan great, friendly. Great fight, great fight, and it'll be you know, and it'll it, you know, especially for Nick Blackwell because it, once people when people see him on that platform now, the, he'll, he'll, the fans will just uh, just go crazy for him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Ben, I know you've actually watched uh, Ben Ben Blackwell. Ben Blackwell. That's me. Nick Blackwell. <laughs> sorry, sorry, mistake myself there. I'm getting a bit fast here, but um, yeah, I mean, obviously you've been watching Nick for a while, so uh, it could be a big year for Nick this year. So it'd be good to see him against Eubank, or looks like he's going to be defending in March. So uh, potentially it, it could be exciting things for him this year. Uh, I think personally, if if he has a very very successful 2016. The world could potentially be his oyster because he's going to come in under the radar. He's going to be he's going to be seen as a soft touch, as I said in the interview, and he's just going to surprise people and catch people cold. And that is just my general honest opinion. And that is just not me just being a fan. I Nick Blackwell is well, like he is the best middleweight in this country at domestic levels, and he's got and he's got the right team behind him. Is improving fight by fight. You can see that in every fight which he's had since going back from 2010 onwards. I just, I just think, I just think he's brilliant. In all honesty, he's got the power and his technique and his techniques come on leaps and bounds. All right. Well, whilst we uh, before we get our 
second uh, person on, the second guest on the show. I want to quickly talk about uh, a quick subject. We won't spend too long on it because uh, we want to get a move on with these guests. But um, there was a lot of back and forth talk. I know we spoke about it before we go live uh, between Andre Ward and Sullivan Barrera. I want to discuss a bit about Andre Ward before uh, we get Chantel on because uh, I, I read on Twitter earlier this is a really a big and a crucial moment of Andre's career because he obviously proved himself at 168 that he was the most dominant fighter a few years ago before having a hiatus from the sport for a couple of years due to a management issues and a shoulder injury and everything else that goes on politically in the sport. Um, so, Sullivan Barrera, 17-0, undefeated Cuban, coming through the ranks. He last fought Karu Murat, who I watched uh, that fight, and he was very impressive. This would be a good fight for Ward. For his first fight, first fight at 175, obviously he's on a collision course to fight Sergey Kovalev for the um, light heavyweight titles. So um, I'll start with you, Mike, because I know that uh, I believe you've actually seen Andre Ward spar before. Is that correct? Mick or Mike? Is he uh, you, you, yeah. Mick. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, so I, <laughs> I spent some time at King's Gym down in Oakland, and I saw him spar about 60 rounds um, over a week. I was down there. And he, he, he was phenomenal. I mean, the various sparring partners didn't lay a glove on him. You know, never caught him clean. And I just thought I'm watching the best fighter of, my, of, of this generation. But what's happened to him, I have no idea. Um, there's no news coming out of his, uh, no news coming through the, through the, through the, through the stuff to, to, to me of any, what's happening in his career, where he's going, why all these hiatuses are. I have no idea. I'm completely lost by it all. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And the thing is, Ward is probably, you know, for me, I've still got him, obviously, right, not right now, but he's pound for pound. He, if he was active, he'd still be pound for pound number one fighter. Um, and obviously, you'd think if he beats Kovalev, then he would get put back into that spot because, you know, let's be fair, rightfully so as well. Yeah. He never lost a spot. Um, but there's but there's so much ups and downs. I mean, you know, it's it's like a, a it's like an episode of EastEnders, isn't it? You know, I mean, what is going on? What is going on with it? I mean, we know he's had his problems with his shoulder, with his promoter, all of that stuff. But why don't the fights get made? I don't, I don't understand it. 100%. Uh I mean, the fact of the matter is you've got to think, because uh, he's obviously signed with Rock Nation. He's got this big deal now yep. where Rock Nation have actually, you know, you've got like Chicago, they've got Ward, they've got Rigandal. So, okay, okay Ward and Rigandal may not be the most eye candy and most exciting stars, but Rigan, uh, Rock Nation have invested money into two fighters there that, let's be fair, it's quite a big risk because they're not going to draw due nope. to their styles. Nope. But it's a shame because they're that good. And in my opinion, Ward's probably the best fighter on the planet right now. And Rigandal's up there as well in terms of defence. So, Rock Nation have got two fighters there that can really just dominate and they're going to continue to win. Yeah. So, it might end up being a clever business move by Rock Nation for actually getting them in their stable. That's the way to be seen. But the problem is, to counter what I just said, that might not be true because Ward and Rigo actually have to be active for Rock Nation to get a deal out of this. So, they must have some sort of place, uh, a deal in place with HBO, who obviously HBO have just signed Ward to a three-fight deal. HBO aren't going to let Ward fight uh, B, C level opponents like, like you know that are, I'm not going to mention any names, but so you'd have to think that Ward <laughs> has eyes on Kovalev, he has eyes on some of the top 175 fighters in the division potentially. But this next fight in March, in the summer, and then Kovalev in the fall. So, like I said, these next 12 months are crucial for Ward's career because it's a make or break moment, and that's actually really 
bizarre to think of because you think how good Ward is and how what he was doing a few years ago when he was beating the Froch, Kesler, Dawson. You know, he's beating some of the best names in boxing. Yeah. So it's, it's quite a sad situation. But, um, but, oh, sorry, go on. I've, I've, my mind's gone blank. Go on for a second. <laughs> sorry, buddy. Go on. Uh, sorry, I was going on for about, a, about an hour of rant there. So um, no, I'm not too surprised. But um, what about the other guys in the call? Mike. The other Mike. Mike Chavez. Mike um, Chavez. <laughs> I mean, obviously, we've just had uh, Nick Blackwell on. So I'll get you involved in this topic. What do you think about this Andre Ward saga? Um, I think it's frustrating. You know, I think I think he had a good opportunity, you know, being on the Canelo and and Cotto on the card, and you know whatever happened there. I guess his knee or something like that, right? And then he got hurt. But wow, well, it might be an excuse just to not fight. To be fair, it was going to be a trash yeah, opponent, just, wasn't it? Yeah, why not? But the, the opportunity though, you have to be on that stage. Is you know how do you pass that up? You know, there, there's no logical sense. You know, whether whether I don't care what opponent he was fighting that day. You better go out there in front of whatever million people or whatever, you know, and fight. But but yeah, it's frustrating because you know you know he's the best and he should be getting you know everything that comes with being the best. But he's just he's just not fighting. You know I and I do you know I don't I don't think he should bend backwards in order to fight like you know Golovkin and all these guys because he's earned a spot. You know so he shouldn't really have to bow down to these people to make a fight, but. But yeah, you got to stay active either way. Uh, Ethan or Joe, I ask you. Obviously, being young fighters coming from the amateurs, maybe or maybe you might correct me, but Andre Ward might be a fighter that you kind of watch and can kind of learn from in the amateurs because his style is uh, ultimately going to win you fights in the amateurs. Maybe so. Uh, you know, give me your thoughts yeah. on Andre Ward. You've seen a lot enough of him. Yeah, I've seen a lot of him. I think one of the main problems with him is, and it's going to sound silly, is. He doesn't care about the money enough. I think if he did, I think he would have been out a lot more. And I think he would have had a lot more fights. It sounds silly, but I don't think he cares. Like he, I know he's, he's quite religious and stuff. I think he's more bothered about um, just sort of his family and his boxing. I don't think he's like got a real desire to be to making loads of money. And I think that's a bit of a problem in the sense, not in the sense of his career, but in the sense of him being out a lot. I don't. Yeah. I don't know what you think. Think about. Yeah, that. That's the point. If that's the case, then why not do fifty-fifty with Golovkin and all these other guys? What's the argument? Well, let's be fair. Like, right now, Ward would obviously get a smaller part of the pie against Golovkin because of the fact that Golovkin's stock has risen so high. So you know, it's obviously been on pay-per-view. And he draws more than Andre Ward. Say that again, Glenn. So I'm just saying as well, and Golovkin's obviously out three or four times a year. Exactly, yeah. That's what people are criticise him for. I'd rather see an exciting fighter who's being talked about active, you know, regardless of whether it's William Monroe and David Lemieux, than, you know, than uh, being, hearing about Andre Ward's last fight being in a courtroom instead of a boxing ring again. I'll ask a question to all of you, and I'll, I'll let you all ask answer this, right? So, you obviously see a lot of fans on social media saying that Golovkin needs Andre Ward, Andre Ward needs Golovkin. For me, Ward may need Golovkin because I'll say this, right? What does Golovkin need to... I'm a big Andre Ward fan, more of an Andre Ward fan than Golovkin fan, okay? So, I'm saying, coming from the perspective of being a Ward fan. So, Golovkin at middleweight, he's got Canelo, he obviously could have had Cotto, uh, on pay-per-view and let's be fair they're the big money fights Cotter and Canelo they're probably the biggest money fights in boxing right now outside of well Canelo is the biggest money fight in boxing so let's be fair where does Ward go because obviously the reason why 
and you may correct me if you think I'm wrong, with Golovkin being tied up with potential pay-per-views and unifications, at 168, it's really a wasteland where Ward's kind of cleared up. You've got some good fighters coming through like Jack, the Gale, Chudinov, but these aren't big money fights. You know, Ward's, let's be fair, he doesn't really want to go from like Dawson, Froch, Abraham, Kessler to maybe like them at this point financially. So he may be in a force really in terms of legacy, building a legacy and, and earning money. He might have been forced up to 175 really to fight Kovalev because let's be fair, I've seen a few interviews recently where Ward said, now, I'm not really sure about uh, whether we're ready to move up to 175 yet. But then a month later, he goes and moves up. Has he been forced into this move to light heavyweight? I've, I've no idea. I mean, what was the saga of fighting Paul Smith at 172? What was what was all that about? I mean, well, I'll just quickly answer that. I believe this is what I think. I believe he fought Smith at 172 to kind of get his body a feel that maybe like a light heavyweight limit with the second thought of potentially staying at 168 just in case Golovkin comes looking for that fight. That's what I feel. Or he can't, or there is some reason that he can't make 168. He just can't. Well, maybe so. He has been out for a while. He's been out for a long while, but I've no, I, I, this is what I don't get because when, when you talk to, when you hear about Virgil, Virgil Hunter, he says he's always in the gym. So if he's always in the gym, he must be, he, he won't be putting on loads and loads of weight. So why can't he, why can't he drop down to 168? It's all it's all smoke and mirrors to me. I don't understand any of it. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll try and get him on the podcast and he can answer him himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it is a strange saga, isn't it? I mean, he also got a contract, I remember, for, if I remember rightly, from Nike for his own boxing gear. I've heard nothing about that either. That's gone quiet. He, yeah, he, that went quite a while ago. Yeah, he's been posting pictures of some boxing boots and stuff on his Instagram. Yeah, Jordans. Yeah, yeah Jordans on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. But he got his own. He got his own SOG, um, SOG gloves and SOG headgear and stuff from which had the Nike Nike logo on. Yeah, Nike. What happened to all that? I mean, it's it's a weird story. <sighs> it just seems yeah, one problem after another. It should be the top of the sport. It's frustrating. There's, there's, let's be fair, like. Glenn's probably thinking, you know, why, the, why is Cameron a fan of Andre Ward? You know, he bores the hell out of me. But he is that good. He gets the job that, done. He is that good. I'll, I'll, I'll say I've seen, it, I've seen it live. And I, I say to him, I say, out of all the fighters I've ever seen, he's, the, he, he's, he's got the technique and he's got the ability to be the best in the sport. But has he still got it now? That's what I'm worried about. I don't, I've, I always say, though, Cameron jokes. I don't find him the most exciting to watch and I don't particularly look forward to his fights. But I am under no illusions how talented he is that he is. And I think why I find him so frustrating as well is because if you watch a highlight, really his timing and his distances are amazing. He's fantastic. Yeah. But he only does that for 30 seconds of a three minute round. And for the, yeah. um, but in, and in fairness, I think that's why he's not as maybe a lot of people think like that. And it's why he's not the draw, but you know, like I say, I'm under no illusions talent wise. Now Mayweather's called it a day. He's undoubtedly the one with the most talent, but we don't know how good he is because we don't see enough of him to judge that. Yeah, exactly, Glenn. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're gonna get we're gonna get Chantel in a call. Ben, how much have you seen of uh, Chantel Cameron? Because let's be fair, she's one of the most established GB women's fighters right now. She's part of the GB team. Rio hopeful this year in the Olympics. Give me your thoughts. What you've seen so far? Uh, I've seen, I've seen a kickboxing background, very very solid, and she's had a brilliant transition from 
one discipline to another. She swiftly become ABA champion after nine uh, after nine previous fights. She's won the two, 2010 European Union silver medal in 2010, 2011 in EU bronze, 2015 English elite champion. She's also won the test event recently in Rio last year and she's ranked number one in this country and she is definitely number one in this country at lightweight and I wish and I wish and I wish her every success in a qualification for Rio 2016. What weight is Katie Taylor? Uh, not sure. Not, not the same weight no? I, no not, not too sure. Not too um, sure. I, it's either I think she's a welterweight if right. I'm thinking off the top of my head. Right. Well, Ben, Ben, you can uh, wish her well for the Olympics yourself because we're just about to get her on the call. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's get her on the call. Um, right, let's go. But yeah, yeah, I agree with what you said, Ben. You pretty much just broke it down for me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Wrote down all, you're like Owen Boxing Wikipedia page. You got all the information stocked in your head. I am. Chantel, not... can you hear us? Uh, hello, yeah, I can hear you. Oh, welcome to the show, Chantel. It's uh, happy to have you, and we appreciate you giving us some of your time tonight to come on here and talk Thank to you, us. Thank you. That's no problem. Uh, I want to start this off by you just explaining because there might be a few viewers that are hearing about you for the first time. So, can you just kind of break down? Uh, from a long story cut short, how you got into boxing? Because I know from interviews I've seen that you were undefeated in kickboxing. You had many experiences in other combat sports, yeah. which has ultimately led you to changing over to boxing. How did this happen? What has led you to where you are today? And that is um, in, this, in the sport of boxing. So to cut it, the long story short is um, I used to be a former kickboxer and I was undefeated with um, world, European and British titles. But kickboxing was going nowhere. Like um, it was hard to get fights in the end, in the UK especially. So I heard that the women's boxing was going into the Olympics for the first time. So I went to the local boxing club, and it stemmed from that. And I was on the England squad within a year of boxing. So I was um, fast tracked. Glenn, are you there? I am, mate. Yep. Well, I'm going to bring you in because uh, Chantel Glenn here. He's got a young daughter who actually is a young amateur fighter coming through. Yeah. So he's got a few questions he wants to ask okay. him about. Hi, Shanta. How are you doing? Oh, hello. <laughs> um, just uh, again, thanks for coming on. Yeah, um, three questions I'd like to ask you. Why well, do you want my daughter to come on? But she was too shy to. Um, <laughs> and the things that she was kind of asking was, with the weight that she was in the age she is, she really struggles to get fights. Um, she's 14 and she's only 40 kilos. Yeah. Um, did you have the same issues when you were younger and what sort of um, age did you start? It's a, it's a lot different in kickboxing because in kickboxing it's not as strict as boxing. So when I was 13 years old, I actually went into the women's category because I was um, struggling to get fights in the under-16s. So I decided to go up into the women's, but obviously you can't do that in boxing. Yeah. So in boxing, um, the best the best advice I can give her just be patient. And she's gonna grow. She's gonna grow into a heavier weight as she gets older, and um, just try try and enter as many tournaments as possible, like the Haringate Cup and stuff. That's yeah, good actually, tournaments to enter. Brilliant. We're actually putting her in a tournament over in Hull, the Hull Box Cup this year. So we're hoping that that'll get that there'll be some at her weight there. So that's really good advice. Thanks. Um, yeah. 
I was also going to ask you as well, so when you did have big spells without fights, and obviously you're working just as hard as everyone else in the gym, you're, you're doing everything just the same as everyone else, but you're not getting as many fights as them. Yeah. What kind of, what keeps you motivated through that? Just knowing that when when you are called up to have a fight, that as long as you've been training, it doesn't matter if you've not been in the ring, you've, you've got to train as if you're, you're going to be fighting the next week. So you're always training hard, just so that if you do get a call saying there's an opponent who wants to box in a week's time, you're ready. Because if you're not training hard and you're not in the gym, and then you do get a call saying someone wants to box you, and if you, you haven't been training hard, you can't take that belt. So you've always got to be ready and you've got to be prepared. Oh, thank you very much. And That's um, no problem. And last of all, so how's um, how's your training going at the moment? Obviously, with big sights set on the uh, on the Olympics for in Rio. Um, it's going really good actually. It's, it, last week was my first week back at Sheffield with the GB boxing squad, but I was training over Christ, Christmas anyway at home. But um, yeah, it's, it's going good. I'm going off to Colorado in two weeks, so that will oh, be good. Best of luck. Uh, wow. Chantal, I want to ask you, actually, I mean, it must have felt bizarre, I imagined, when you first went into boxing, because you obviously would have been used to not just punching, but kicking, going from kickboxing to just <laughs> boxing. Did you find it weird at the start when you had to restrict yourself from kicking and kind of kicking out that temptation to actually kick when you know you it can't? It was really weird because I, can, I always remember my first actual boxing spar. I, I went to lift my leg up and it just switched on my head. I was like, no, keep your legs on the floor. So when I, my first time I sparred, I, I actually went to like bring my knee up and I was like, oh, God, and then I quickly panicked. And it happened to me in um, one of my, like, first bouts. I think it was, was working inside. And because I was still, um, like, kickboxing training at the time, I again went to pick up my leg, and I quickly remembered. And it was like a flash, and then, um, then I had to quit kickboxing because it was, cause I was still training kickboxing. It was too much for, for my mind. Was there any difference in training for kickboxing to the kind of aspect of training for boxing, is there a difference between the two sports in terms of training? Obviously, it's not too much difference, but is there any sort any difference in the training? Yeah, there's for... actually um, it's, a, it's actually like people don't don't think there's a big difference, but there actually is a massive difference because obviously, I think when you use your legs, it, it takes a lot more out of you. So like, if I was in Kiwatson gym, they'll do exercises with kicking, and I used to literally hate it. I it used to like my lungs used to feel like it was going to burst. Whereas in boxing, I don't really get that feeling. Yeah, to be fair, I can understand that, actually, because you, you use more energy up using both your hands and your legs. Yeah. Obviously, you know. And so also I can understand in um, what you're saying. boxing is like it's, it's a lot with it's a lot with footwork, but also kickboxing is you're always on your feet, so your legs are always burning, like your calf muscles are always burning because you're constantly on your feet and, and moving about. Uh, ben. Yes. Ben, you there? Yes, I am. I'm here. Can you hear me? Well, the floor is yours, mate. You've got some questions. Uh, Take it away. Uh, yes. Uh, hello, Chantel. It's a pleasure to have you on. Hello. And And uh, whilst whilst doing my research, I found an, int- I f- I found an interesting quote yeah. on the BBC website. Uh, it is relating to your kickboxing days. And, and it mentioned something about how Buffy the Vampire Slayer inspired <laughs> you to start up kickboxing. <laughs> I want to know how that came about. <laughs> I used to be like, well, when I was younger and still at school, I used to be literally obsessed with Buffy. So when when like I was playing out in my area, I'd always make the boys play Buffy with me. 
and they used to hate it. But I'll be like, I have to be Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and they had to be the vampires. So I had to slay them. And then my dad, my mum and dad wouldn't take me to the um, kickboxing gym because it, because they said that I was too violent anyway because I was always play fighting and having like boys crying and stuff. So uh, they were all against it. And then because I kept begging and begging, they finally took me to the kickboxing gym. And I still, I think it's because of Buffy. Uh, okay, okay, then I'm moving back onto boxing. Uh, <laughs> how, uh, when you, when you, when you got selected for the GP, uh, for the GB program, uh, yeah. how did, how, how did you feel when you heard that news? Was that, major, was, was that a major sense of accomplishment for yourself? Oh, it was, um, I, I really wasn't expecting it because, it, again, I'd only been boxing a year. So I had a couple of tournaments for the England team and then I got yeah. on the GB boxing squad within a year. So I really wasn't expecting it. Like I, I say to everyone that my first like three, four years on the GB squad, my feet hadn't actually touched the floor properly. I felt like I was just like in there too quick. Obviously, I was. I, I loved the, the fact that I was on the GB squad, but um, I was planning to go do my studies and stuff. And I remember mm. I was in the car and um, I was just going into my house and Rob McCracken called me. And it was, I think it must have been a, a Saturday. And he was like, um, oh, on Monday, we want you to come up to the GB squad. We want you on the program. And I was just like, wow. It was, just, it was everything just changed from that day. Glenn, Glenn, can you do me a favour? Just meet your mic. It sounds like you've got an elephant in your house, mate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so just quickly meet your mic, mate, when you, well, I'll bring you in again. It was, sorry, that's all right. It's my phone vibrating. Sorry about that. I've turned it off. All right, cheers. Um, right. Joe. Yeah. Hi, Chantal. I'll bring you in, mate. I'll bring you in. Hi, Chantal. Oh, hello. Uh, I've read online that you'd think about going back into MMA after you've accomplished what you can in boxing. Do yeah, you think you'll still be open to doing that? I would love to have a go at MMA just because I've done I've done boxing, I've done tie boxing, I've done boxing, and obviously MMA is massive now, especially for women like what Wanda's done and stuff. She's opened up the doors, so I'd love to have a go at it. But it's just the um, the floor work, like the grappling. I've, obviously, I've never trained that in my life, so I'd like to, I'd like to have a go at it and see how I do. But at the minute, my main focus is boxing and trying to qualify for VI. Yeah, Once I'd you also got... like to go oh, uh, if women's professional come into the UK, like it got a bit bigger. I'd love to have a go at professional boxing as well. Yeah. So because... when you got that offer to go on Team GB, how did the training measurement change from just um, boxing for England? It just it, it turned full time, so literally it was Monday to Thursday, full time training, and then I'd come home on a Friday and I trained at my home gym. So it was just like boxing for England. I was still training at home with my home coach. But then when you're on the GB squad, you're like taken away from your home coach and you train up there Monday to Thursday with the um, world class coaches, and then you come home at the weekends. So it changed massively. It took like about I'd say about three months to get. To like adapt to it. All right, thank you. Cheers. Yeah, I was just about to ask actually, Chantel, about that. Yeah, I was just about to ask a question. You pretty much answered it right at the end there. But um, you kind of mentioned about um, you come home after Friday after training. How long did it really take you? Or what was it, the kind of emotions like when you first had to be away from home and you were training the GB squad? What was it like at first? Uh, the first being away like from the home. The first couple of months is because we we're always travelling as well. So. Even when we're in Sheffield, like we'll go off to Russia, Bulgaria, Poland, so we're always travelling as well, which made it a lot harder, especially as I've only just got on the squad. And because I was 18, um, 
it's it like my whole lifestyle changed rapidly. So I was missing my family, I was missing my friends, and then I started realizing like I couldn't plan anything because you you because you're an athlete then like you could just be told on a week's notice that you're going to a different country. So it it tra- it yeah. changed rapidly, but I just I loved boxing, so it didn't really it didn't really matter. Can you just kind of break down and, and tell and explain how many or what tournaments you've won in boxing so far? Um, yeah, I've won the ABA English Elite Championships twice. Wow, um, very so. I mean, is that is it? I mean, what do you know what your official record is as an amateur as well? Uh, um, I think I've had about eighty fights, and I think I've won sixty-five. I think that's an estimate. Brilliant. I've I, won more than I've lost. Got... I have got I have got sixty six on my count. <laughs> I've done I've done the research. Sixty <laughs> six. Yeah, something like that. I think I've had a bit a few more than that. Six. I mean, I mean, I mean, sixty six wins. Sorry. Oh okay. My and... bad. Ben knows Ben knows more about them, about you than you do, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> I literally have no I like, idea. I like I like uh, I like to be. To, I, lo- I like to be prepared. <laughs> so, I um, mine was just an estimate, but I'll take yours in sixty-six wins. Uh, <laughs> uh, official number sixty-six wins out of eighty fights. And uh, so I've won. Um, I've, I've I've won. I've won the Rio Test event in uh, December. That's just been. Um, yeah. So I won that, and um, I've got silver and bronzes at the EU Championships. <laughs> So, are you? Are you? Will you be part of the Olympic uh, trials in? Is it? Is it about April May time? Yeah, it? hopefully I'll be sent to the qualifiers. Yeah. So you're going. You say you're even going to over to Colorado. Yeah. You say in a few weeks. Yeah. That's like pre- preparation for the major, the qualifiers. Yeah, yeah. So it's all up for it. Yeah, I was just. Yeah, I was just about to ask why you're actually going over to Colorado. Is it part oh, of your training yeah, regime? Um, so, yeah. Part of the preparation. So it's going to be really good. Like, because obviously April's only around the corner. Well, yeah, 12 weeks away, yeah. yeah. Will that be at altitude? Yeah, so um, next week we'll actually be doing altitude training. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done it. Have but... you never done that before? No, I've never done it, but um, I've heard this really good, so I'm looking forward to it. Where will you be doing the altitude? Will you, will you be doing it in, like, a chamber and stuff? Um, No, doing it at Sheffield. They put a yep. mask on a... On That's a... right, yeah, the mask, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've never done it before, so it'll be interesting. No experience. Yeah. Uh, Mike, I know. Uh, so, well, Mick, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know you've got a few questions about uh, women's boxing in general. So, do you want to go ahead? Yeah. Hi, Chantel. Nice to have you on the show. Hello. Um, why do you think that women's boxing doesn't get the coverage it should, especially at the professional level? I know that people like Nicola Adams in this country have, uh, and Katie Taylor in Ireland have, you know, have got a lot of uh, exposure as amateurs but why 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 not women's professional boxing in this country and worldwide why doesn't it get the coverage that it should um, do? i wish i actually had the answer to that but i don't because I, I think it should have a lot more coverage but i think one of the reasons might be because of um women actually participating in the professional ranks i don't right. think there is that many women who actually participate in or of like what level they're actually at so I would like, I'd love it if women's professional got more recognition, but I think like it just needs a breakthrough. I think it needs one person to just come through and like sell it off. Am I right in thinking that the, 
that the British Boxing Board of Control don't sanction women women's professional boxing. Is that I, right? Again, I have no idea. I don't think they. I, I don't think they do actually. Go on. Sorry, Cameron. No, I've just got a question, kind of touching up on that. So. I respect Ronda Rousey, okay, and um, she was put on the Ring Magazine uh, boxing cover a few months ago. Um, do you think that that would have been suitable, maybe, to put women's boxing, professional boxing, on the front of their cover to promote the sport that they're actually supposed to be covering rather than an MMA fight? I know Ronda Rousey's huge, and she's one of the biggest names in, in worldwide combat sports, and rightfully so, she might well be able to be deserving of being on that cover. But do you think putting women's boxing in terms of professional level on that cover would have been much better in terms of promoting it? Um, I think the fact that they put Ronda on the boxing cover was a bit of a bad move, but I think it's just because of, like, she's a massive icon for women's fighting, like the overall women's fighting. So I don't think it was really about MMA or boxing. I think it's just her, her image. But I think um, yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was a bad move that they did actually put her on, especially when she got beat by Holly Holmes, who was a professional boxer. Like, it just, uh, it looked a bit stupid, really. Especially the That's fact is that cool. Ronda's not a boxer. She's, um, yeah, she's fair, judo. Yeah. Like, her, her strength is judo. But, again, I think it was just her image. Like, she's she um, she's massive in the media. She's got a good figure and she's got a pretty face. So, they use that, use that mm-hmm. to portray boxing. I think the truth, the truth be told, they had the wrong one of the two on the front of their magazine. That's my honest opinion. Yeah, I, I yeah. watched that. Wasn't that before Holmes actually beat yeah, Rousey? She was on it before, yeah. yeah, she was on it before um, Holmes beat her. So I think they messed yeah. up massively. Absolutely. Chantel, if there was... If there... What's that noise? <laughs> what, somebody's watching Tilly or something? No, go on, Mike. Go far away. Carry on. If women's boxing um, did take off, women's professional boxing, would you stay as a professional boxer or would oh, you stay like to go into MMA or is it is the move into MMA because that's where you know because it's something you haven't tried and because that, that's where the money is no that, like if um women's professional boxing took off I'd, I've always said that I've wanted to go professional in boxing right but um I'd love to give MMA a go but obviously the transition to boxing professional boxing would be the smarter move for me the fact that I've never done grappling and stuff of course yeah obviously um if it doesn't take off then I do want to try MMA because it's something new something different but I'm just praying that um, women's professional boxing comes into play. Um, um, it not just comes into play, but becomes as big as the men's divisions. How do you? How do? You, how can you see that happening? Because there, there doesn't seem any movement on the women's professional There's, boxing. The, um, have you heard of a thing called WSA? Yeah. No. Oh, it's World Series yeah. boxing. Oh yeah, World Series yeah, boxing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, so yeah. Sorry. They're actually yeah. going to bring um, the women's with the women into it. So yeah. I think I think that is going to be like a stepping stone. A stepping stone, but I I'm, again, it's only a four round fight, isn't it? Uh, it I don't think they've said about the rounds because the men do five threes in right. the so I think the yeah. women yeah, have got to do like five twos or six twos. Right, but you see, you see that break it, you see that helping uh, women's professional. Yeah, I think it's going to help because obviously the head guards come off. It's more yeah. like of a professional sort of atmosphere, like. You have ring entrance music, um, yeah. you have like lights and etc. So I think that'll be like a stepping stone again. And and if I'm right in thinking, you can you can earn quite a bit of money doing that as well. That's another thing because um, it's a franchise, so it'll be through GB Boxing. So right. you might not get paid. 
Right, so when people like Andrew Selby and uh, people like that went to went on the World Series of Boxing, they never got they never got paid. Um, some get paid, some don't. It all yeah. depends. Like I don't know how yeah. it works personally. But some get paid and Fair some enough. don't. Yeah, it, it it depends because my uh, Mike Lomachenko was actually paid on World Series of Boxing, yeah. but it depends. It does depend on the circumstances around yourself. Yeah. I think on the fire. Right, I got you. I, I'm not a great fan of the. <laughs> AIBA at all, but uh, <laughs> I think there are I think there are a FIFA in waiting. You know, I think there any of these big organisations that just come in and uh, you know sort of govern the govern the whole sport. And there's a few things about the ABA, AIBA that I don't like. I think they're all out just for their own ends and to make money. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. Sorry, that's only a personal opinion. <laughs> what you... Ethan? Go on, Mike. Go on, Mike. I'll bring Ethan in after you. I just want to... What are you? What do you think Ronda is doing that that female boxers aren't? Because we've we've had here in the U.S. we have we've had Amanda Ali and we had Christy Martin and they have done pay per view before, but they never got as big as Ronda. You know, um, and... I think it's her attitude, like um, the way she comes across. I'm a massive Ronda fan. I like the way she carries herself, and I think it's like um, she's she like everyone's got their own opinion, but in my opinion, I think she's entertaining. Like the way she walks to the ring. The way, like, she's at weigh-ins and stuff, like, she shows no fear. So I think that's a selling point. She, she sold herself well. But obviously, some people's opinions ain't that. Some people don't like the way she, she carries on. Do you do you plan on... Do you plan on following that? And Oh, no, I don't, know. I'm, um, I'm more of a keep-my-head-down sort of girl. Just, <laughs> just let my boxing do the talking. Yeah, that's awesome. Fair enough, fair enough. Ethan, I'm going to bring you in. Yep. Hiya, Chantel. Hello. Um, I was as a young boxer myself. Like I was just wondering, from after you won the ABA title, how how was it getting onto Team GB? Was it did you have to go through many trials, or was it sort of uh, you won? The... No, well, I was actually fast tracked, so I didn't do any assessments. Um, I won my ABA title, and then I think it was like two weeks, two weeks or a month, or it was like a short period after I went to box in the EU Championships, yeah. and um, I lost in the final to the world champion so that was like a, um, like a tick on my name sort of thing because you have to, you watch for like a couple of tournaments and then because mm-hmm. I was performing well at other tournaments then I just got on the GB squad yeah so it's basically so, on, on my performances so, so um, <laughs> since being on the GB squad who who which sort of the names have you sparred with? Do you spar with the, the men as well as the women? Yeah, sometimes we get to spar with the lads. It's um it all depends on the coaches. Like they set up the schedule for us. So I yeah. sparred um I sparred the Yafai brothers before. Yeah. Joe Cordina. Yeah. I've sparred Andrew Selby. Um the McCormicks. McCormacks. From um, yeah. Sam Maxwell. Um, I'm trying to think on top of my head. That's quite a list. Um, Ashback. Yeah. Charlie Edwards. Yeah, it is quite a list. Yeah, quite a lot. It is quite a list. Yeah, good list of names yeah. there from the men's. Yeah. Um. Sorry, Ethan, have you got anything else? Um, I was I was just wondering. So since you've been on GB, is everything more is it more clear on how you need to improve? What and like is your life sort of in training more organised? Yeah. So like, all I really do is eat, train, and sleep. That's literally my life. Like. Everything's scheduled, and um, at Team GB, um, like we have uh, meetings and stuff on what we need to work on. 
to improve yeah. and so we're always told of what we need to do to get better and stuff it's yeah. really good thank you I mean, Chantal, I mean, you're still young as well. I mean, and you've achieved so much. What is the ultimate goal for you right now? I mean, I was, is qualifying for the Olympics in Rio this year the one thing that you have your eyes set on only? Uh, or do you have your eyes on something else in the long term? Is it just your eyes set on Rio at the minute? At the moment, my only focus is Rio. And then whatever happens after Rio, that's what I'm going to do next. Like, at the moment, all I'm looking at is Rio. So that's the 100% the one thing you're training for yeah, right, right now, now, just, just getting to the Olympics, yeah? Because I don't want any distractions and stuff, so I don't want to think elsewhere. I just got one like one ride and one tunnel vision and just just that's just VI. So I mean obviously Olympics is the pinnacle of the amateur game. Yeah. So I mean, will you be training differently or changing anything in your in your life in general for this one? Um just like dedicating myself more to training. So like the people around me and stuff, if if they're gonna like try to bring me down, I'm just gonna cut them off. And yeah. um that's just like the outside of my life and um like making sure that I'm resting properly, I'm eating properly, and um, like tra- I've I've changed some of my tra- uh, training schedules. Like um, at home, I train in a different club now because my actual boxing coach has sent me elsewhere to get more help. So, being on the GP squad and being in the sport in general, have you made or gained relationships and friendships with people in the sport that you kind of regard as close friends today? Yeah, massively, because um, like some of the girls, we live with each other. So, yeah. like, we live with each other Monday to Thursday. So, it's like a little family. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand that, yeah. I mean, that must be quite nice, because if you're working together and actually having some sort of friendship bond, it, it makes it easier, I guess, in training as yeah, well. Yeah, much easier, because obviously, like, you want to have a laugh as well. If, you, if, you, if, you're not, if you're not enjoying training and you're not having a laugh, you're not going to put all the effort in, like... You're gonna slack a bit, and you're not gonna enjoy it as much as you are when you've got your friends around you. So it makes it makes it a lot better, and it makes you enjoy it as well. Like you want to go to Sheffield, and you want to see your friends, and you want to train. Would you say because do you know how you mentioned you go back to your club on a Friday? Yeah. Would, would you say that the um what GB teaches you and what your club is teaching you? Would you say that ever clashes? Um n- no, because like they work together. So um, my, my coach at home is really good. Like they just want the best for me. So they know if I'm being fed too much information, it's gonna make my, my mind just fizzle. So yeah. um, they like work closely together. So like mm-hmm. I go home and tell my coaches what I'm working on, and if they think I need to work on anything, they'll like add that in to what I'm learning as well. Yeah. So I, I've got I've got really good coaches at home. Glenn, I know you got a, I know you got to go, mate, and leave this early. So uh, thank you for coming on and uh, speak to you yeah, soon, mate. Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks again. Yeah. All the best, mate. Take care. See you, later. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, John. So I was going to bring take you back to your kickboxing days because I don't think we've actually asked this yet. Can you just uh tell us because I want to cover everything? Can you just tell us your record and what sort of championships you won in kickboxing? Um, kickboxing, I was undefeated, so I had I think altogether I had about twenty fights. Um, yeah. I was. I can't remember how many times because, like, in Kibbutz, you have like I won it a couple of times. So I was British champion, world champion, Five Nations champion, and European champion. All in twenty fights. Yeah. That's remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Do you still keep in contact with people from your Kibbutz? Um, yeah, like my old Kibbutzing coaches, I'm really close to to still, and that they support me massively. 
So like um, I, I, I always speak to them and make sure I'm in contact with them. But I, I don't see him anymore as much because obviously it was in it's like quite a distance where I used to train. And I, yeah. when I'm at home, I'm always in the boxing gym, so like I haven't really got time, which is a shame, really. But they understand. Uh, you guys got anything else, anything else you want to add? Uh, Chantel, can I just ask you? Um, but I, I'm going to be looking out for you and your fights from now on. Who is your biggest rival? Would you say at the moment? Either it will be Katie Taylor because uh, she's Olympic champion, right. and I've boxed everybody, and I haven't boxed her since 2011. Right. So right. that's the one I'm looking for. How did the? Uh, have you just had the one bout with Katie Taylor? Yeah, it was. Um, so I started boxing in 2010. And a boxer in 2011 in my second EU championships, and um, that's when I got my bronze medal. So I boxed in the semi-final, and right. I was I weren't I weren't experienced of anything then, but I gave her a good fight then. So like, I'm excited to see what I'm going to do this time because obviously that'll, I've got is it potent- more experience. That'll be some fight. Sorry, Cameron, go on. No, go on. Mike. I was saying that, that that'll be some fight. I I did have an I did have an ink I did have a, um, an inkling that you might be around that weight at the beginning and. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I will definitely be looking out for that. Is that is that fight on YouTube? You and Katie Taylor? Um, no, it isn't. Uh, I don't think so. I've not seen it on YouTube. But it was like twenty eleven. I couldn't years find ago. it. Yeah, I couldn't I find it, it earlier today. Right, right. But uh, no, if you can beat Katie Taylor, I mean, that's that's <laughs> that's going to be huge for you and your career. Yeah. Yeah, it's a goal. Is it potential that you could meet uh, in the Olympics? Am I wrong? That you could potentially meet Katie Taylor in the Olympics. Yeah, so if we both qualify, then yeah. we should meet in the Olympics. It's done yeah. fine if you get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, so that's the first thing. That's the first objective, isn't it? Actually getting yeah. to Rio. Can't look too far Cameron, ahead. Cameron, can I just say one thing, Chantel? If you, I mean, if you if you go a long way in the Olympics and hopefully you win that gold medal, that's yeah. gonna that's gonna do huge uh, huge profile, uh, make a huge profile for you in in this country. I mean, look at Nicola Adams, you know. Yeah. And yeah, I, I wish you every success. I'll be looking out for you. Oh, uh, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. And one thing, if uh, one other thing I'll say is that. If you when you if you do think of making the transition to MMA with your what I've heard of you and way your work ethic and stuff, you know you'll you'll get the grappling, the ju- the Brazilian jiu jitsu and stuff. You'll get it down. Okay, thank you. Good luck. Thank you. All right, Chantel. Well, um, it's been a pleasure talking to you, having you on the show, and uh, hopefully the viewers have had a, a better in in depth and insight into your career, and hopefully they'll be following you for the future and we'll definitely be following you so we oh, wish brilliant. you all the best for Thank Rio you very much. and uh, we pre- yeah we appreciate you coming on so uh, take, take care, care. Thank, you. Thank, you. thank you very much take all care all the best take care